Well, hello, hello. It is good to see you again, and welcome back to Lessons by the Lake, the Oswego Private Wealth Show. I'm your moderator, Ryan Ruff. It's great to be back with everybody today, and as always, I'll be joined by my right-hand man, really the star of our show, Mr. Bob Bedreitis, the Managing Director over at Oswego Private Wealth. And boy, do we have a great episode that you know we're excited to jump in today. Bob said he had this date circled on his calendar. Uh, he's been looking forward to this one, and today we're going to be talking about scaling your business the right way. We have a great guest that's going to be joining Joining us, Mr. Carl Cox, the founder over there at 40 Strategy, also the author of the book Lost at CEO. Uh, we're going to be diving into some really interesting strategies and solutions that CEOs can be leveraging to scale their business the right way, while also addressing so many of those challenges that they can face, you know, as they're, you know, at the helm of their respective company. And to marry that, you know, in with Bob and his experience being the managing director of Oswego Private Wealth and working with business owner clients, because as we know on the show, you know, Bob's, you know, really known for working with business owners and their families to help them become financially independent of their businesses. Because let's face it, at the end of the day, we know that Bob believes that these business owners deserve to maximize the value of their life's work. And we are super excited to get into a topic that is just so pertinent to so much of our audience out there. But before we bring Carl on and get into the nitty gritty of the conversation, let's go ahead and say hi to Bob. Bob, good to see you this morning. How are you doing, sir? Ryan, I'm doing really well. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, Bob, before uh, before we bring Carl on and get into the kind of the nuts and bolts of the conversation, tell me a little bit about, about you know meeting Carl, the beginning of your professional relationship, and ultimately why you just felt it'd be really beneficial to bring him on, especially for today's episode. Well, Carl and I have thank you, Ryan. Carl and I have known each other for a couple of years now. We were in we were introduced to each other through a mutual acquaintance, and I can tell you from that very first lunch we had together up until now. I have just continued to increase my respect for him and my, you know, I, you know, know, like, and trust. I know him. I like him. I trust him. I uh, love the work that he does. And Carl's the uh, CEO and founder of 40 Strategy. And he's, uh, throughout his career, Carl's been an executive leader, a board member uh, with seven different organizations who have done anything from double to grown 7X with operations on four continents. Uh, he's the host of a terrific podcast himself called Measure Success, and he talks with CEOs, with authors, with extraordinary achievers about effective strategies that inspire success in business and in one's personal life. Uh, and another thing that Carl does that I think is just awesome, he donates 10% of all his clients' uh, net revenues towards charitable organizations. He's a certified Gallup coach for Clifton Strengths. And early in his career, Carl is was a CPA uh, working with PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, he's married 25 years. They've got four kids, and he is involved in his kid's life. He coaches football, basketball, baseball. He's been doing that for 20 years now. And uh, today, Carl tells me he's a golfer. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's a struggling golfer like me who just uh, tries to keep pace with everybody or if he's actually a good golfer. I've never asked him that. And he lives here in, uh, in the uh, general Portland area in Northwest Oregon. So um, I couldn't be more excited to have Carl on the show. So Carl, welcome to the uh, Lessons by Lake podcast. Bob and Ryan, thank you so much for the very kind introduction. So Carl, you've uh, so many things. I want to talk to you about about, about your 
your new book, Lost at CEO. I want to talk to you about your coaching and all the things you do there. But before we get started, could you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your journey, personally, professionally, and how you got to where you are and why you do what you do? Well, thank you, Bob. And I, I'm going to share a little bit about the story of, of how I got here, because it wasn't your traditional path. I didn't come in saying, I'm going to be a strategic planning advisor and coach for organizations to go through. I started out as a bean counter many years ago, uh, meaning I was in, as you mentioned earlier, I was a CPA. And I headed down that kind of traditional path that was going to just be a CPA. And, and actually, part of what you mentioned already, I love coaching and teaching. And I really thought my path in life is I was supposed to be a do this teaching and and go into high school football. And that was going to be my life. And I actually had built up a tax practice on the side to supplement my income. And I was with the company. This was the fourth, fifth company I was with. And I was heading down that path. I was a CFO for them. But they said, you know, Carl, we'd love to invest in you, but don't, not if you're going to head, head and leave us. And so I said, well, let me think about it, but let's let's see what that means. And so they started giving me more opportunities. I said, well, Carl, can you take over IT for us? And I was like, sure. I, even though I barely know how to turn on a computer, I'm mean, half joking on that. But you know, I, I could not fix a computer, but we fixed it. And then they said, well, that worked. So can you help take over technical support? Well, technical support was really technical. Don't give me a hammer. I, I'm not going to fix anything once again. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not a mechanical type person. But we fixed the department. And then they said, hey, Carl, would you, that work, those two things work. Could you help us out with a distribution center in Europe? Well, I'd never even been to Europe before, but we fixed it. We set up a distribution center, got it properly set up. Next thing, like, well, that's worked pretty well. Can you now take over operations? Can you learn lean operations? Can you help with Asia supply chain? So I continuously got these amazing opportunities. And so from there, I thought I was going to be there forever. I got recruited away to be with a company that grew from 70 employees to 450 employees in three years. Both of those companies I'm mentioning had incredible strategy. They had Fortune 500 executives that were running the company, even though we're a small to medium-sized based company. So we try to find a better way to track our strategy. We found this company called Cascade Strategy based on Cindy Australia. And it was awesome. I found it as like, not only do we, we'd love to invest in you, but can we help you out? You know, we want to buy the product and go forward. Well, they ended up enabling us to be their Northwest distributor. So I started moonlighting. Uh, Mike Fritz and I set up a separate company. Uh, if you, people around in the local area here, a company called DD Fritz Automation. We ended up sending that up and we had incredible success. I sold a deal with Johnson Johnson, convinced the misses and, and Mike Fritz that it's time for me to take that company over. We grew that from 50 clients to 350 clients in three years. But this was the surprising part, Bob, that I didn't expect. I thought everybody knew strategy because that's exactly what I was doing really well for the previous 12 years. I found out that people were buying our software like they'd buy a Peloton bike. Now, anybody who's bought a Peloton bike, which has become a very expensive towel rack, knows exactly what I'm referring to, right? You know, often what happens in our life is we think we're, we're trying to buy a hammer and we don't exactly know what the solution is, right? And so we just bang on that nail. And so I was trying to help out people with strategy because they're buying our software with this uncertainty what strategy really was. I started doing free consulting, then charging for consulting. I was with a client down in Phoenix and, and two hours of the meeting, he pulled me aside and he said, Carl, you know, I would pay you $10,000 just for that last two hours of information. 
And I remember turning to the person with it. I was like, wow, I think I'm in the wrong business. And secondly, that's pretty much more than you paid for the entire software. So it was a, a really big aha moment. And fast forward a year later, the CEO of our show said, Carl, why don't you now create and build our global consulting business? Because they saw the need for it. But I still had kids at home and they're, they're, they both did a combination of high school and now college sports. And I did not want to miss that experience. So I politely declined and that's how 40 strategy got, got founded. Wow. That's fantastic. Thank, thanks for, thank you for sharing that story. Uh, 40 strategy. I'd, I'd like to ask you where that name came from and, and how you came up with that and what that means for you and for your clients. Um, and I'd also uh, let me throw in two questions for just for the fun of it. Um, you tell us you tell us in your book, Lost at CEO, and I and, and I believe that your numbers is that 90 percent of strategic plans fail. And if you could talk a little bit about why is that the case? Because we're all earnest. I've done a lot of strategic planning in my businesses uh, and back on my corporate days in, in Wall Street. And uh, I tell you, that number feels about right to me that 90% of strategic plans fail or, or don't achieve optimally to, to where they needed to go. So 40 strategy and why do strategic plans fail? All right, so let's have the first question first, which is why are we call it 40 strategy? Well, came across the statistic that only 2% of organizations actually, excuse me, let me clarify that. CEOs, leaders, et cetera, only typically spend 2% of their time on strategy, which is equivalent to 40 hours per year. So if you, that's where 40 strategy was born. The name was, is because if, we're, if you're going to do 40 hours, let's do it the right way. Just because we do strategic planning once a year with an organization does not what you mean in an expert. Matter of fact, most people, matter of fact, I met very, very, very few people actually have a strategic planning degree. The reality is we, we do what we've learned from the previous year. We're still doing the SWAT like it's, the end-all be-all of strategic planning. And, and frankly, folks, this was built in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and nobody's modified it. Nobody's actually adjusted it for what business is really like today. And they're doing it, I'd say in many cases, the wrong way. And, and so from this uh, part, that's where 40 strategy name was built. And, and secondly, there's this also bigger concept that 40 is a, the deeper meaning behind it is to be successful usually is a lot of hard work. And in, in today's day where people want a quick overnight success, that's not strategy, that's lucky. And the reality is most businesses are, if you may, a result of their great luck based on doing the right things over and over again. And so that's what we try to do is we try to help people understand that we can get to the right place if we focus on the right strategic expertise to get there. Now, the crazy part what you said there earlier is, is, is it true that 90% of organizations fail? Yes, uh, the data is really clear with that. Only 10% of organizations get two thirds of their strategic objectives done. PricewaterhouseCoopers actually had data that says only two and a half percent of organizations successfully achieve. If you hire, if you have the money to pay Bain or McKenzie, only 20% of their implementations succeed, which is crazy because they're spending at least a half million dollars to even start talking with them, never mind the full implementation cost. So it's remarkable the desire for me to be successful, but how often 
it rarely works. Well, you know, you, you, you made me chuckle just a little bit when you talked about the, the SWOT analysis, SWOT. Um, I think if I know 100 coaches, and I think I do, um, I don't know hardly any of them who don't talk about SWOT and SMART goals. And as, as you had mentioned, these things were created during an industrial age and during a, uh, uh, many came out of the 50s and, and 60s and uh, no, nothing's really changed, which leads me to your book and your, and your strategy and how you do it. Uh, I think it's very clever, the metaphor that you used at lost at CEO. And these are, uh, these are sailing metaphors or, or and it's, it's wonderful. You talk about being stuck in the storm, being stranded, needing an SOS, shipwrecked, and you've created in your business, Carl, and it's it's outlined so so uh, poignantly in the book. And by the way, that book, uh, it took me two days to read. The only reason I couldn't finish it in one day is I had a busy schedule, and I, I couldn't. I just I I couldn't put it down. And I I found it so insightful. So kudos to you for writing just one of the best business books I've read in a long, long time. Maybe one of the best business books ever that I've read. But you outlined the captain strategy in that in that book. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about what is the captain strategy as you use the acronym captain to outline the strategies that you use. So if you could take us through that, I would love to hear, and our audience would love to hear how that captain strategies works. So first of all, Bob, Bob what you said about the book, I, I don't take that lightly. And and so, uh, you know, I, just, I know you're somebody who reads quite a bit. So that means a lot coming from an author. Uh, this was a two and a half year process. And I could argue as it was a 30-year process, right, of, of coming through and trying to find a book. I think a lot of people want to write a book, but how do you write a book the right way? And uh, one of the most meaningful books that I had read early in my career, matter of fact, I was still at, at university at getting accounting studies, was a book called The Goal by Elijah Goldratt. And that book was written in a fable-type perspective. And, I, and part of the reason it stuck is it was a story, right, of how this general manager was struggling to do the right things. And, and they introduced these concepts along the way, the theory of constraints. If anybody's read that book, Herbie, you might remember, it was this concept of trying to find these concepts. And so people could actually understand it and they would actually read through the book. I've, Bob, many people told me in two hours, they, they completely finished the book because they couldn't put it down. We've gotten that feedback consistently. So from a design picture, I originally, the reason why it took me two and a half years is I was going to write it exactly like the typical books that are behind me. I, if those were watching, I have a bookshelf behind me of some of my favorite books. And they're not all written that way, but most of our, uh, we write, here's the four ways to solve this. Here's the three ways to solve it. Or here's the seven ways to solve this. The problem, it becomes another prescription medicine. And folks, we know how to solve things, but we still don't do it. We know it's not, wise to smoke and people still smoke. We know it's not wise to eat bad foods and we still eat bad foods. We know we should be exercising regularly and we still don't. So it's important why the book is there is to help create emotion because people need to connect their emotion towards their actions. And the book helps do that. They will, many of them will feel, I've had people write back to me like how, I literally had a client, a brand new client that I met one time. I, I gave him a copy of the book. He started reading and said, Carl, how did you know about me after one meeting? Right? That was his experience from it. And 
So now deep, diving deeper into it, we do introduce the principles, CAPTAIN being all an acronym. We introduce these principles along the way. And many of you are going to hear some of this and recognize it, but some pieces you won't. And it's what's important, though, is not just doing one of them, but when possible, do all of them. And so CAPTAIN will start from the very beginning is having that compass. And it's to really think about the end in mind. Bob, you work with people on a lot of end-of-life planning, and, and they're getting their stages of they've sold a business, and they have now created a significant amount of wealth. Well, you'll find I, I know I know this happens, right? They don't know what to do next, right? It's this, oh my gosh, I made my money, and what do I do next? And well, the same thing happens with businesses and people running it is they're trying to just make the month to month and the quarter to quarter, and they're just trying to make money. And, and maybe in that situation, they're involved with VC or private equity or whatever it might be. They're trying to sell that business someday. It's, it's so important to have a vision. And I, I like talking about a 10-year vision, something that's really deep and further out there. Because you, what you want is your strategies to be moving in that right direction. The next thing we do is the A, which is aspire. Most people set goals that are really easy goals to hit because they don't want to disappoint, right? And also, so I'm a big believer in setting aspiring goals. And the reason why is because you want to change your habits. Frankly, if you're not changing your habits, you're not going to get to a new direction. You're not going to get to a new location. And so you want to set these stretch things. Now, I'm not saying what you're sending to the board, right? You, you're going to fail. You are going to get kicked out as a manager if you set those aspirational goals as a part of it. But you want to set these aspirational goals that are really high to change behavior. Internally, you want to set lower goals or where you're going to hit. And you're hoping you're going to hit somewhere in between there, right? That's the real part of the aspiration is setting the right amount of goals and not penalizing people because they didn't, you know, as they kind of say, they shoot for the, the you know, uh, shoot for the moon, you hit the stars, land in the stars, that type of mentality, right? But that's that's part of that aspirational process. The next thing is you need a plan. And most people plan, but you have to plan the right way. I've been in a lot of strategic retreats in my career as a participant and as a facilitator. And things that I've learned is it's easy to write things on a whiteboard. I got two whiteboards, one in front of me, one, one beside me as we're recording this right now. I love writing on whiteboards. The problem is that's not your plan. And secondly, if you have a team that you're involved with, they need to get bought into the plan. They need to be a part of it. And you need to share the stories. And so the, what I believe the retreat should be about is figuring out where you're going, aspiring to where. And then you have the plan part be incorporated with the team that you're engaged with. They help figure out the how, which is the strategy. Let, let's boil down strategy for really simplistic points. You start out at a place, your original place where you're at today. You want to go to a new destination. You see, I didn't use the term goal. We use the term destination. And the journey is in between. That journey, how you get there is strategy. That's it. And so a strategic plan is literally the number of journeys or number of the hows that you're going to complete to get to your end result. The reason why I use destination is because once again, goals typically, they fail at them. We already talked about those numbers beforehand. If your New Year's resolution goals, is like, once again, two to 10%, depending on which data set you look at. So 
But when you hop on an airplane, you're expecting to get to your destination. That's the mindset we need to have with our strategic plan that we're going to get to the end result. Then as we move down to the captain part is the A is to act. With, sorry, I, I missed one. The T, the trim. Um, there's no, we have no shortage of things that we put on the whiteboard, but we have to trim it down to the essential few. So we do some parts to actually make sure that we're weight, what's going to add the greatest value, we're going to have the greatest likelihood of success. And I'm a big fan of one of the books, Four Disciplines of Execution, where they talk about the importance of focusing on only three things or less in any one strategic initiative period. What you find is you actually get way done more than that when you go through that process. But focusing on the essential few, because this is about change management. You have to change the hearts and minds of everybody you're working with, helping to support your customers in a different way, doing di things differently. This is when we get a lot more success is by trimming. So let me move to the next part, which is act. You think of that ship, right? You're getting ready to leave shore. It's scary, right? Why people don't want to change and move to something different is because they're not being incented in that way. Matter of fact, 51% of your managers are likely to actively sabotage your deals. Okay. They don't want them to happen because they're already busy in the business. So we need to get them excited and, and feel like, hey, have the confidence to act and move forward. Only 20% of organizations start on time. Part of the reason is they don't set a start date, honestly. They have an end date, but they don't have a start date. So we work on them on setting the start date on each of the tactics to move forward, or, or as we call them, the action steps in the journey to move to your next destination. So from there, the scary part, Bob, is when you're in the middle of the ocean and you can't see behind you and you can't see the horizon. You know, nothing's in the horizon of your new location. So this is the importance of having the right indicators. Most strategic plans, about 80% of the strategic plan have lagging indicators, meaning the outcome sales, gross margin, income, wealth. The problem is that's not how you get there. You get there by the actions to get you towards the outcome. We, we follow what Amazon does. 80% of your strategic initiatives should be leading indicators, not lagging indicators. And then finally, you know, the strategic planning process, it's strategy is a hypothesis. It's not a fact. It really is not a fact. You need to navigate towards the challenges you're going to face. There are things in the whiteboard you wrote down and even working with your team are not going to come true. So you need to learn and adjust appropriately to get to that final location. There you go. That's the captain strategy in a method, you know, process in, in a few minutes there. Thank, thank you. Very concise. I, I loved it. You, you know, it's funny when you say strategy is a thesis, not a fact. Um, I underlined that uh, as, as I was going through the book. And then I, uh, I realized if, if, if uh, repetition is the mother of knowledge, uh, that might have been in there 20 times, that one line in, in various chapters. And I, and I kept underlining it every single time because I go, I need to solidify this. I need to internalize this. I need to just understand that the strategy, in fact, is just a thesis, not a fact. And um, I just, I just love, I, I love what you said about that. This is a narrative. It isn't a, uh, you know, the seven puffs of smoke in chapter one and the five things you do next, and and that these KPIs that people do talk about KPIs, right? SWOT analysis, KPIs, smart goals. 
that that when you talk about the indicators, the leading and the lagging indicators, that that really uh, struck me profoundly about how I view my own business and uh, look at too many lagging indicators, not enough leading indicators, and those take action. And I think if I try to synthesize what I learned from you, and please correct me if I'm off base on this one, but I think it's really you talk in a, in a big picture about people, process, and systems, and that you can't scale a business without a great team. And I think you really talk about how you can teach people to attract and retain a great team, maximize their talent, get them in the right seats, and align them to a shared vision. Uh, I think the story talked about process, that these bloated time consuming inefficient processes kill all organizations ability to scale and that that's part that's a significant part of the work that you do to get people down to that and then ultimately no strategic plan is effective without an accountability system and you teach your clients and you teach us in the book to do that so when i read that book it was it was emotional to me because i felt that you could be talking about me i think our entrepreneurial business owner clients reading your book will feel exactly the same way because we took we took our, our hero over the book struggling in chapter one walking through through the process and just like anybody's entrepreneurial journey there is no straight line and not only does he have issues with personnel and and how he's uh, scaling his business and 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 it's very contemporary you took him through you know went through COVID went through the great resignation uh what else what else has happened to us all in the last in oh, the, the last supply chain years? crisis right i mean that is we're still in the after effects of that and now we're dealing with the latest thing which is interest rate increases right it is um it's been a very challenging environment right that we've all gone through and we're all going to remember this this is the beauty of the book it's going to last for a long time cuz nobody's going to forget covid right <laughs> you know we try to forget it but uh it was a significant impact and it changed so many things you know, think about remote work, right? You know, just the impact that has had uh, in the marketplace compared to what it used to be in the past. And that's just one small thing, one small change that we're all dealing with. But the difference here, though, once again, is what would, what gets me passionate is when people feel they're the result of the things around them. And what we need to change the mindset is that we need to focus on things that we can control to have the greatest outcome that we can develop. And, and everyone in here can do that. We need to stop complaining about looking at the news, stop acting for the government or support. You know, there's no more PPP loans, folks. That Those are done. You know, maybe you're gonna get your C tax credit if you're lucky, right? But the reality is you're on your own now. And, and but you can do it the right way with the right plan. And with having the right focus on the right outcomes, that's what we do all the time. We were consistently, when you use these principles, and by the way, this is experiential combined with research. A lot of this data has been validated by Harvard Business Review and you know people who are in the research side of strategy. They figure these things. So we, we apply these principles, put it all together. And so we assure our clients get in the top 10% of strat, you know, success. Otherwise, we wouldn't be growing as much as we are, right? That's that's how we continue to develop. And the beauty is this book provides the outlines of that. You know, whether we ever talk, you know, anyone's listening to the audience or not, they provide the outlines. That's why is our goal is to positively impact a million people in 10,000 organizations over this decade. The book was a key part of that success me measure. And what's so exciting, Bob, is when I hear people like you have read it, 
they're having that impact and going, wow, I can now make a change with it. Well, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that Carl. And it's so true. And, and again, to, to the business owner who the, your new client who said to you, you know, how, how did you know me? You know, you wrote about me in this book. Uh, in many ways, I felt the same way because I, as we follow, as we followed uh, this, the journey, um, the sailing journey of our, of our, our guy in the book, um, I saw myself in so many ways, and you talk about not just the business things that were being solved, but you also talked about the personal issues, the stresses that happen in a marriage, uh, the fact that so many business owners are, you know, live, uh, they live at the office, but they only sleep at home, and then they're missing their kids' ball games, and they're missing the relationship uh, that they dearly want with their, with their wife, their sons, their daughters, their uh, I, I got all of it. I, by, by the by, the way, you 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 made one comment that said, you know, Bob, I know you deal with a lot of end of life planning. I really don't do end of life planning. Oh, sorry, I, I said the wrong thing uh, there. Forgive but, me. Yeah. But if, because life does not end when you sell your business. Matter of fact, for many people, that's when it begins. And I've often used the metaphor of a th of a three act play. If you think about a three act play, the characters are developed in the first act. Uh, there's a certain amount of conflict in that second act that kind of draws you in. And that third act, when all of those things are resolved, that's where the action is. And I view my business and what I do and what we do is, is I help business owners become financially independent of their businesses, uh, often in their exit planning, is that, uh, hey, the third act is where the all the action is. And that can be the best act of your life. That should be the best act of your life. And uh, I, I just want to point that out. I know, I know you didn't mean to say end of life planning, but anybody listening, I wanted to make sure that that's not, <laughs> that's not what I do. <laughs> so, and maybe, maybe uh, third act is a third act of your play. So um, to that point, I just want to ask you a couple, couple final questions. Uh, number one is because we've all had those journeys that are not straight lines. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about a low point in your business and your career and kind of what's happened to you, Carl, would you mind uh, sharing that with us? Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. You know, as, as uh, I've been really fortunate, right, to be a part of multiple successful organizations and growth and, and and that's been good, but I've been on the downside, you know, I've lived, I've lived long enough, right, to, to be a part of from the dot-com bubble and the 2008 recession. And um, there's, there's so many in between, but you know, it's interesting. Some of those things don't matter. What really matters is what happens to yourself personally, right? That's when you really remember it. And interestingly, 40 Strategy, when we started it, um, it started out incredibly well. You know, by starting January 2020, by February 2020, I was grossing more than I had at any time in my career, um, which was a significant accomplishment. And so I was really grateful that we were adding that much value in the marketplace on day one. But what was interesting was, you know, this little thing called COVID happened. And when COVID took place, uh, none of my clients were based at that time in, in Oregon. And so I had to travel to them. And of course, everybody had shut, shut things down. And I had mentioned beforehand, I was giving out, I still do to this day, we give out the first 10% of our uh, net revenues to charity. Um, and, and we, that's been a key focus will continue to be a key focus as far as so putting this perspective at May of 2020, I was giving out more than I had received, which tells you my income had dropped 90%. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, 
for me, it was a very, very uh, trial. As a matter of fact, I'd done this webinar with Mark Fister, who has a great book called Across the Board. He's based out in New York, New York City. And um, I'd sent out like 30 plus emails of some of the participants who were in the pod, uh, this webinar, hoping, right, that they would respond. And not one person responded. Here, my income had dropped 90%. Couldn't get at that moment to any of my clients, like literally couldn't get to them because uh, still travel was not available. And I got down, I, I don't mind saying that. So I got down on my knees and put a prayer and I was like, all right, if this is meant to be, right, if this is meant to be, let it be. And I'm really grateful that, you know, we continue to stay, have faith in the business that we have and the difference that we're going to make. And from that point forward, it was a testament. It has been skyrocketing ever since then. And we've been doubling every year since. But it took that faith to believe that we're doing the right thing and having the right impact. And, and, and so it's worked, but yeah, it was a really, it was a really trying time. Right. And, and, you know, I, I also say, you know, my wife was not happy at all. Uh, we've been married now 27 years. And matter of fact, yesterday, uh, there was, there was a recording. She was not happy for me to start another entrepreneurial uh, pursuit. And, and, you know, we have, once again, I mentioned, we have kids in college, we had kid credits with kids in college, kids in high school going to college. And she's like, not again. You know, she had that, those experiences of the entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, part of the story isn't about me. It's a, it's a, uh, but it's about me in a way, you know, there's part of me and it's part of the people I've worked with over my career. And, but I knew it was the right thing to do. You know, I knew that I could add value. I knew it's it's like all the things that I have been put together with 25, you know, uh, well, let's see here, 27 years, right, of, of experience of working in, in multiple, that most of those years in an executive role, I knew I could add value in the world. And so I had that perseverance and faith that it was the right thing to do. And once again, I'm so grateful I, I didn't quit, right, or, or succumb. And both, once again, and the risk of my wife not wanting me to do it. I mean, even though it was a difficult, we had some difficult fights, um, and but we got through it. And then secondly, uh, when in April, once again, May, 2020, I thought it was a risk of being done, but we did the right things. We moved forward and, and now we're continuing to add value to help hit our overall goals that we're trying to accomplish. Well, thank you. I relate to that. And, and I think many of our listeners will relate to that because, uh, uh, we, we do have our challenges that we that we fight through, and I think that's what the entrepreneurial spirit really is fighting through. Uh, last last question for you, Carl. Where we before we uh, put a close to this and we let you go. Uh, how do you define success? Oh well, I love it because you asked the question I asked all my guests on the Measure Success podcast. So it's interesting studying this and hearing other people's responses to it, and. What I've learned is, you know, there there is multiple different definitions. I think I, I think it's important is to define how it is for yourself. But I'll, I'll tell you what success is for me. Success is for me is that number one, you know, that there, there's I'm I'm spiritually grounded. Uh, that that's the first thing I start out with each day is that that I have a grounding in in my faith because that's what helps drives things. Number two. My my wife of my high school sweetheart, who we've been married together twenty seven years. We need to have a connection. When that's not going well, life is not happy. 
three, I have four kids, wonderful. They're not kids anymore. They're now becoming adults. The youngest one just turned 17 the other day. Want to have relationships with them. So those three things must be present for me to what I feel have success. And then the fourth is being a provider. I think a lot of people who are listening here, they at the end of the day are trying to provide. And so, and I've done that through business through most of my period of time. And so being able to provide at the right value of the amount. And then six, the kind of the, the next thing is that I am giving and making a difference to those who are around. You know, it's interesting, um, Bob, there was a great, uh, heard this story one time of a gentleman who had passed away. And the pastor was supposed to be speaking about his experience of how he was. And, and apparently this was a very well-known person. He, he wouldn't tell us who it was. And at that particular time, his two boys came up to the pastor and said, don't you dare say that my father was a great businessman. Don't you dare say that my father was a great husband. Don't you dare say that my father were, that he was a great father. That is the opposite of what you want to be. And so I listen, I, I will remember that story and I share it often because to me, it, it is the definition is the difference of success. And, and unfortunately, speaking of end of life, which I may be saying properly here, I've been unfortunately to these two, you know, end of life ceremonies, true end of life ceremonies. And nobody talks about your business. Very rarely, right? What they really are talking about is the difference you made in people's lives. And so that to me, Bob, is what success is about, is when we make the difference in people's lives, those two are close to us first, and then we can help make a difference on those around us. That's what I, how I measure success. Wow, thank, thank you. That, that's amazing. Uh, you know, it reminds me of somebody once, once said, probably a lot of people have said, uh, nobody on their deathbed ever said, I wish I'd spend more time at the office. <laughs> so, Exactly. Yeah, good. Well, Carl, thank you. I, I'm so grateful and appreciative of you spending your valuable time with us today on the show. And Ryan, let me turn it over to you. Sure, sure. Well, thanks, Bob. And yeah, yeah, really appreciate the insight from uh, from today's discussion, Carl. And, and Bob, I know as we typically like to wrap these episodes up, Bob, for anybody in the audience that took something away from today's discussion, you know, all these different lessons of, of really, you know, being the captain of your own ship, charging ahead as a CEO. And, uh, you know, I know you have conversations like these with your client base as they move through into that third act of their career and their life. Uh, Bob, for anybody out there that's interested in reaching out and just opening up a dialogue that's similar maybe to a discussion point that we had today on the show what is the best way they could get in touch with you uh right through our website come to our website oswegoprivatewealth.com and you can uh you can see how you can contact us phone call zoom meeting uh, me, uh another meeting uh email and we can we can connect and see if we might be a good fit and we might be able to help you uh the other thing i'd like to ask our audience that if you like the show uh, please make, uh, please comment on it. Uh, leave a review, leave a comment, uh, like us on whatever platform you're listening to us on. That would be very much appreciated by us. And Carl, just in case anybody is interested in maybe picking up a copy of the book or even just reaching out to you and 40 Strategy for a piece of advice on their end as they navigate the complexities of being a CEO, what's the best way somebody can get in touch with you? Absolutely. The 
easiest way is go to 40strategy.com, 40strategy.com. You could also find me on LinkedIn, uh, Carl J. Cox. You could find me there. If you want to send me an email directly, I don't do this all the time, but uh, to your listeners, Bob, uh, if they want to get additional information or perhaps even want a signed copy, send me an email to Carl J. Cox, C-A-R-L-J-C-O-X at 40strategy.com. And then finally, we're also on the Measure Sex podcast. So all those different ways are ways to get connected with our community. But I also want to go back to say with Bob, I encourage you to, um, this is a great show you have, Bob and Ryan, you put together. And I do encourage you to give you ratings because that's how people will continue to connect and learn more about what you're providing out into the world each day. So thank you for your time. Look, we're going to go ahead and wrap up today's conversation. So for Carl and Bob, I'm Ryan. We're going to go ahead and say so long today, but we appreciate you stopping by and being with us on Lessons by the Lake. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. No strategy assures success or protects against loss.